0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the APOG podcast. Today I have the absolute pleasure of sitting down with Melissa Ricker, the PA Fellowship Director at Atrium Health in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hello and welcome.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: Hey, do you mind uh, introducing yourself and uh, saying your pronouns?
1: I am Melissa Ricker, PA Fellowship Director at Atrium Health. My pronouns are she, her, and hers.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much. Now, before we dive into it, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you came to the position you're in?
1: Yes, thank you so much. I knew from a very early age that I wanted to be a PA. My mother was a nurse practitioner and was an incredible influence on work-life balance, passion for what an NP or PA could do, the impact they could have on patients' lives, and was really inspired to be Uh, like my mother. And ultimately, my sister is a PA too. So when I was in PA school, going throughout my rotations, found a passion in critical care. And after PA school, sought an optional fellowship in critical care. After that experience, it truly gave me perspective on how much this type of dedicated learning program type experience could have on the professional. So much so that I became a coordinator a few years later and have been a program fellowship director for almost four and a half years now.
0: Wow. Awesome. And I'm glad you talked about your critical care background. Well, today's episode is going to focus on the the OBGYN fellowship program. I do want to point out that Atrium has a couple of different fellowship programs, correct?
1: We are the most clinically diverse and largest fellowship program in the country.
0: Wow. That's that's certainly a great title to have. <laughs> so for our listeners, just perusing, I saw behavioral health, cardiology, hematology, oncology, I think urology, as well as OBGYN. Was I, was I missing anything? That is correct. We haven't broken up into three categories. The ones that you spoke of are
1: our specialty care tracks, which take place in both the inpatient and outpatient setting. We also have several that are solely inpatient. Those include our critical cares, our surgery, emergency medicine. And then we have some ambulatory only, which is urgent care and family medicine. We're currently offering 17 different tracks, but yes, women's health is one of our specialty care tracks.
0: Gotcha. So it says inpatient and outpatient, correct?
1: That is correct.
0: Okay, good. (laughs) Making sure that I'm understanding. So since we kind of have that basis, let's kind of jump in and learn a little bit more about the Women's Health Fellowship. How long has the program been established at Atrium Health?
1: So our fellowship was organized through the Center for Advanced Practice in 2013. I can't believe we're celebrating 10 years this year. That's
0: crazy. That's awesome. I
1: know. Women's Health was not one of our first tracks, but Mm -hmm. we've had it for several years, and we relaunched this track in 2021.
0: Oh, okay. Can you tell me what does relaunch mean? Yes.
1: So as we investigated reasons to bring on or remove fellowship tracks from our offerings, there are several variables that go into play. Number one, we hear from the service line leaders, there is bandwidth to train, there's enthusiasm Mm -hmm. from the clinical leaders and support of the leadership to have this learner type incorporated in their multidisciplinary teams. Number two, We look at our fellowships as a workforce development pipeline, i.e., to really refine and enhance those specialty skills that the hiring Mm -hmm. leaders on the back end of fellowship are really going to benefit from, from a systems level, from a patient care level, et cetera. When we sunset women's health in the early years of the the fellowship infancy, it was done so for hiring reasons, i.e., there was a, a lot of flux in how APPs are being utilized in the women's health service line. And the decision was made by leadership at that time to really focus on optimizing the APPs in those service lines as is before adding in fellows and other other learners. So when it was relaunched, this came in the wake of a lot of work to really improve the quality of, of the APPs' lives who are working, to really reinforce how APPs could be effectively utilized in the women's health service line. And so far, we have had two fellows enroll. One has completed the fellowship. One is six months in, and then we're bringing in another one at the end of March.
0: Okay. Exciting. And that to me makes a lot of sense. Is It's like you want to set up your fellows to be in a good position. You want the people teaching them, training them to have like that mental bandwidth in order for the fellow to get the best experience possible. So how long is this program?
1: Absolutely. We offer a 12-month fellowship with two different start dates per year. That's April and October on an annual calendar basis.
0: That leads me, I guess, to my next question. So I guess to refresh what you had said, it's a 12-month program. And you said you're bringing someone on, so it's not like it starts May of every year or April every year. It just, you can apply whenever. What's the application process like?
1: So we have two start dates that strategically align with when most PA and NP schools are graduating. hmm so between the summer graduations and October start date aligns, mm-hmm. i.e., they're able to pass their pants, participate in hospital credentialing and privileging. Likewise, the December graduates would start in April after that same time period. The benefit too, from a hospital system perspective, is these are kind of off season, quote unquote, with respect to large onboarding. So the the benefit of having these quote unquote off start dates. Not only benefit our PAs and our NPs, but also it's a time when our medical staff services and managed health resources are able to onboard such a large group of people mm-hmm. without competing for the time of uh, medical residents or other medical learners who typically operate on an academic calendar, which starts in July.
0: Gotcha. That that makes that makes a lot of sense. How many applicants you know do you normally see, and how many are are brought into the program? So our entire
1: fellowship on a calendar year basis has approximately 40 FTEs at this time. Mm -hmm. We have two of those that are dedicated women's health FTEs. Okay. One of those typically is brought in in the spring and one of those is typically brought in in the fall. But the nice thing about being able to pull from a larger bucket is the more qualified applicants we have, the more bandwidth to train, the more job openings that we may have on the back end, I'm able to very swiftly and seamlessly increase those FTEs during the application time period, i.e. there's one application link per cycle on our website. Mm -hmm. We typically get between 20 and 30 applications per cycle. We bring in our top-rated candidates they don't know at the time whether we're accepting one or two, but we really try to find the right fit for our program. And if we do find that we have more eligible candidates than we do FTEs, I can go back to that pool to then make a case to the institution on why we may need three women's health fellows this year or four women's health fellows this year.
0: Mm, so So there's spots for essentially starting spots for two, but if Like you said, you can make a case. It it can be a little flexible sometimes.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's really one of the benefits of such a large centralized fellowship like Atrium Health's, is that we can really tailor the experiences to where our system has the energy to train and where where the system is hiring on the back end of this training.
0: And that I would imagine, allows you to tailor things to the fellow's needs in the sense of rather than having a whole big pool of like, you know, here's seven people who are going through this, having, you know, one or two, you're able to figure out how they can learn best as well. Would would you say that makes sense?
1: Absolutely. 100%. And I think the fellows really value having that more individualized experience as mm-hmm. well. We bring in NPs in addition to PAs. So we bring in FNPs and women's health NPs. And we have to recognize that there's a difference in training and a difference in background and a difference in exposures. So we have optional electives and experiences that the fellow may choose to spend a little more time in, depending on their either A area of interest or maybe B their weaknesses before they came into the program.
0: Can you give me some examples of those kind of electives?
1: Absolutely. So we start the Fellowship year, a more observational role in the academic setting. They're really able to get a lay of the landscape mm-hmm. and see firsthand in a in a very academically rich environment high acuity women's health. They're spending time in the OR, they're spending time with triage and learning from multidisciplinary teams. Okay. At that point, they transition to a clinic-based setting to spend 50% time OB, 50% time GYN to get the gamut of pathologies that women may present with, and then we have optional electives in reproductive endocrinology, maternal fetal medicine, urogynecology, and gynecologic oncology. If someone came from one of those settings, they may elect to not go to that elective, or maybe they want to spend more time because they really didn't get any sort of high-acuity outpatient exposures. And those electives can be anywhere from a few days to several weeks.
0: Oh, okay. So there's not a time window of, okay, you know, you're going to do three weeks here, three weeks here. It's tailored to the fellow. Absolutely. It's, it definitely sounds like the program is flexible in the sense of, you know, you go in, you're certainly going to learn a lot, but you're able to say, hey, here are areas that I know I need to strengthen or He has areas that I know I have a lot of confidence in, but I know I want to practice in this specific area, so I'm going to get more experience.
1: Absolutely. And we sometimes have fellows come in thinking they want to do outpatient, or maybe they're more interested in intraoperative experiences, and then they do say an elective in reproductive endo or MFM. Well, if we have a position, that elective can then be better utilized to, on the back end of fellowship, be sort of this springboard into that position post-fellowship.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So it's, it's, they're going in there and then based on what the availability is, they said, Hey, you know, you've, you've already had this experience here. We have an open position. Let's, you know, see if it's a a smooth transition. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's, that's could be a very exciting, exciting opportunity. Now, one of the things I wanted to touch base on was the extent of OR experience that at least from a PA side, I know, I had my um, surgical rotation, but I was under a general surgeon. And on my women's health, I didn't get as much surgical experience as I would have liked. It sounds like we're mainly getting that in that kind of observation period. Are they like first assisting? Yeah. Kind of wanted to to see what the extent of that OR experience would be.
1: Yeah. So at this time, there really isn't a lot of opportunity for first assisting in the OR. We do have pelvic health that is sort of outside of the women's health service line that does have a little bit more Mm -hmm. GYN adjacent operative time, but that at this time is not part of our formal women's health track.
0: Gotcha. Okay. That's a important answer. And one that I was just particularly curious about. Now, as a a fellow, is there any type of financial compensation like there is with a um, doctor's residency program?
1: Yes, we offer our fellows a $68,000 stipend for the year that they're in the fellowship with us. They're paid every other week They are eligible for full-time employee benefits, which includes paid time off, retirement matching, dental and medical insurance. And if they choose to accept a job within the Atrium Health Enterprise on the back end, we are currently offering a sign-on bonus if they sign a two-year contract.
0: Oh, okay. Very good to know. And I probably should have asked this question a little bit earlier when we talked about the application process you you know they send it in it, you have those two fluctuating application time processes what is the the interview process like you it's just one person i am assuming it's not a group interview what can a hopeful fellow expect
1: great question our application process is done so holistically and what i mean by that when the applicant submits their letters of recommendation their statements of interest their cv What we're really looking at are the narratives. Why are people choosing to do a fellowship? Why are people choosing this road less traveled? Why are people really committing the early years of their career to a less paying job that works more hours that's pretty rigorous? We're also looking at letters of recommendation, character anecdotes. So what was it about this applicant that stands out to the person writing this letter? Mm -hmm. What character traits do they have that resemble Uh, the type of person that tends to be successful in academic and didactic training, i.e., are they able to be resilient in hard times? Are they really able to push themselves and demonstrate a great work ethic and having a a really positive attitude towards learning? Are they academically curious? Are they committed to bettering themselves as a provider? Mm -hmm. The more that we can envision this type of person, Uh, The better chance you have it being interviewed, once we extend our invitations to interview, which is about 25% of our applicant pool, there is a two-part interview. The first part is a group interview. And what's really fun about a group interview, it's kind of twofold. We get to ask general questions. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: How do people respond in stressful situations? How do people make decisions when there's maybe a time constraint? Or maybe there's another barrier that is uh, clinically relevant. We get to ask questions about prioritization, boundaries, goal setting. And when people are are sharing these narratives, we're also watching the other people. Sometimes people come up with some really unique answers. So supporting their co-interviewees through this process gives us insight in how they work in teams, how they communicate to each other how they're receptive or maybe not receptive to unique answers. After the group interview, they participate in a one-to-one interview with our clinical faculty, which is typically a panel of people. The panel of people is speaking to the fellow or the, the future fellow all at the same time. So that way there's there's not this uh, multiple one-off interview. The applicant doesn't feel like they're answering the same question four or five times. And we try to do it in the same day so that the the applicant really feels there's not this major life event that could occur between the two interviews or that there's not something compete something else competing. Most people will just take the day off work and virtually participate in our interviews. And then at this point, we choose to numerically rank our applicants in our human resources supported tool, which really gets at, again, those pillars of success, which we look at Teamwork, communication, leadership potential, nonverbal body language, genuinity of responses, things like that. Um, and we compare their rubric from the holistic applicant review with the rubric from the interview, and we sort of have a, a rank system that that's, that mimics maybe the the physician match process.
0: Okay, I appreciate the thoroughness of the answer. I know when I was applying to PA school, I probably would have really appreciated a breakdown like that. <laughs> So I hope that any future potential interviewees who listen to this will, I'm surely, be very grateful to understand the whole process. Now, you mentioned it is a very rigorous 12 months. Could you give a a summary of what the average kind of work schedule will look like? I know it, it varies inpatient, outpatient, but...
1: Yes, we advertise for all of our tracks, you can expect to work approximately 50 to 55 clinical hours on average per week. So that may look like four or five days in a row. That may look like some weekends, some nights. And then we also want our fellows to spend some time outside of work, working on projects, readings, following up on documentation, et cetera, reinforcing some of the things that they learned during patient Mm -hmm. care with the whole expectation they're, they're committing 60 hours a week to the fellowship.
0: So flexible, but it's not, you're not going to go in with the understanding of, oh, you're working, you know, 100 in a hundred hours in a week or anything, you know, it's super crazy like that. Now, last question that's really on my list is what are some ways that the program helps support the fellow, ensure that they have a successful time at Atrium Health? So
1: we understand that PAs have the option to enroll in a fellowship or to take a job. And there are many aspects that are incorporated into a fellowship that people can find with on-the-job training. So what we really advertise and altruistically support is, is the fellow getting mentored? So we have both PA and NP fellowship directors, meaning if the fellow's a PA or if the fellow's NP, they have someone within the program that professionally identifies them and can advocate for professional uniquities. Number two, who within my specialty is going to be my go-to, my person, uh, the person that I can count on for my schedule or to discuss questions that I have or to kind of make sure that my didactics are being appropriately coordinated no matter which off-service I'm on. So we employ both a physician and an APP within every single one of our tracks to be this accountable mentor to the fellow. Number three, we have partnered with our Center for Physician and APP Leadership and Development to coordinate a 10-hour professional development series that really gets at some of the issues or some of the opportunities that new hires often don't get in formal education with on-the-job training. These are things like communication styles and strategies, effective communication, emotional intelligence, navigating difficult conversations balancing feedback with appropriate change. Then lastly, we support a research project that is a kind of a mentored process that gives them this creative outlet to get involved in something bigger than themselves, bigger than their service line. And I think through this holistic approach, they're really not only supported, but they're getting something that is so unique that I would argue most on-the-job training opportunities cannot match. And then one thing I'll also add, we have incorporated into our longitudinal fellowship training one whole day a month that is really dedicated to preserving this time for general didactic. So this is everything from systems-based practice, protected time to work on their research when they get that focused professional development, and they're not expected to balance clinical duties during this time. Most on-the-job training, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone that says, let me hold your pager while you go do this eight-hour education. Or they may ask you to come in on your day off to do this eight-hour education. We've also incorporated four mental health or administrative days. These are protected scheduled days off that are not PTO used days off in which fellows are able to follow up on personal appointments, make appointments with my NP, fellowship director, or myself, you name it. We have partnered with many of our physician residency program directors as well, and this type of protected time aligns with the trajectory for other medical residencies and fellowships.
0: Now, this is one question that was kind of popping into my head. You'd mentioned that the application process is kind of built around when a lot of schools, you know, graduation times. Have you ever had applicants who, let's say, they they have worked uh, in a field for a couple of years and they say, you know what, I, I really think I need, you know, some more experience. Do you necessarily have to be a new grad or a recent grad or is someone who's been a PA for 10 years, can they still apply?
1: Absolutely. We accept new grads and APPs applying who have prior work experience. I would say for those who are applying with experience, don't think of yourself as an atypical applicant. We get about 20% of our applicants from people who have had prior experience, a lot of which either comes from internal or family medicine. Have the people who are working with you demonstrate why you would be a good fit for the fellowship. Mm -hmm. Leverage this work experience and how you've come to find this newfound passion in women's health and be proud of that because I think it 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 rivals this new grad narrative of this is what I want to do.
0: Yeah, there is something to say about getting into the I always joke real world medicine little different than textbook me- medicine, but having that real world world experience and saying, "You know what? I've been working. I I can say I have my feet in medicine now, but I can tell this is this is definitely where I want to go and what I want to do." Are there any final thoughts or things that you wanted to share, you want the listeners to know about the Atrium APP program? I
1: think one of the benefits of a centralized fellowship like this, while we may only have one or two women's health fellows per cohort, they have a family, a group of people who are going through the fellowship at the same time with them, and they're really able to connect with them mentally, emotionally, to say, I know what you're going through This is hard, but it's so fun to learn our our, our discipline and to really engage with specialty champions who love what they do and are willing to teach us and are excited to teach us. Through our systems-based practice education, we have a lot of times these mentors within each individual service line coming to talk to all of the fellows about how to best utilize their service line when it is and is not appropriate to consult someone on the inpatient space, or here's how to navigate the process if you need to refer someone on the outpatient space. And through that, our mentors within each of these specialties are so proud to see their fellows in the audience at the same time, are, are truly invested in the fellowship process. And I think at the end of the day, our patients are better served, our APPs are better trained, and the sense of community and gratitude that these APP fellows feel on the back end is much greater than what we typically see in the new hire process. And I think for those who are interested in pursuing a fellowship or those who are even curious, do your homework, talk to a fellow grad, talk to a program director, because I think I think it would surprise people how much a fellowship has to offer, because it's not mm-hmm. just this one-year very rigorous academic year. There's a lot more to offer.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me.
1: Thank you so much for the opportunity to interview for the podcast today. I really appreciate it.
0: After chatting with program director Melissa Ricker, I really wanted to get the perspective of someone who went through the program, and I was lucky enough to get in contact with former Atrium APP fellow Lindsay O'Connor. What you hear next is our little interview chit-chat about her experience going through the fellowship program. Take a listen. So, today I have the pleasure of sitting down with a recent graduate from the Atrium APP OBGYN Fellowship, Ms. Lindsay O'Connor. Hey, welcome.
2: Hey, Morgan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and discuss this topic with you.
0: Awesome. Do you mind introducing yourself and your pronouns?
2: Yeah. So, Lindsay O'Connor, I am a family nurse practitioner. I go by she, her.
0: Awesome. Now, before we get started, why don't you tell the listeners um, a little bit about yourself?
2: So I started off my career as a nurse. Um, I worked in the neonatal ICU for about two and a half years and then transitioned to labor and delivery nursing for two and a half more years for a total of five years prior to becoming a nurse practitioner. Um, After graduating nurse practitioner school, I found um, Atrium Health's APP fellowship and did that for one year and then am able to uh, find a job afterwards. And I'm currently working in an OBGYN office as a nurse practitioner.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So this podcast is through APOG, which is the uh, physician assistants and in, in OBGYN. But we love our nurse practitioner... For- friends and colleagues. Um, and I thought it was super important to be able to talk to someone who's been through the program. When did you graduate?
2: So I graduated September 2022. So pretty recently, mm-hmm. um, I guess I've been in my permanent role as a nurse practitioner for the past six months, which seems crazy <laughs> because <laughs> I'm just like, where has time gone?
0: So tell me about your, when you were applying for the Atrium APP program, how did you find it? Why did you choose it?
2: So I am from North Carolina, so I was familiar with the Atrium healthcare system as a whole. And what I really found was Mm -hmm. I was looking, I knew women's health is something I wanted to do, and I went the family nurse practitioner route. I guess I'll be honest, as a little safety net.
0: (laughs) Oh, I get that.
2: I knew going into it, I didn't really want to do midwifery, even though I love my midwives. I just was kind of looking for more clinic-based area. And Mm -hmm. then I did not do the WHMP programs, the women's health nurse practitioner programs, because I just was a little nervous about being too specialized and not being able to find a job Mm -hmm. afterwards. But during my labor and delivery nursing career, I really found... (laughs) you know, that women's health was my passion. So I went on to say, how can I better myself? How can I make myself stand out and, you know, get a job in women's health? And it was, it was a simple Google search, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) And, you know, actually the first time I looked at it, Atrium wasn't offering the women's health line Mm -hmm. anymore. Um, They had offered it years ago and then it kind of went by the wayside for a little bit. And then I just happened to check back and I was like, oh my gosh, there's a women's health track now. I was so excited. I immediately applied um, and I'm forever grateful that I did make that decision.
0: That's awesome. And I think, you know, I, so little background about myself. I am a PA fairly new, been in practice maybe two years. But I also was, you know, thinking about women's health. I'm like, oh, I really like it. But I ended up getting a job in family medicine. And I think there's this kind of, I don't know if it's a misconception that like, oh, if you're not in L&D, then, you know, you're not really in the women's health sphere. But I can tell you, I do women's health pretty much every day, <laughs> in in and outs. Um, and I think that this program is a really good opportunity for people like ourselves who maybe had a kind of a different background to say, "Hey, if this is something I'm passionate about, this is this is you know going to give me a lot of the experience that I that I want and need."
2: I think that's a great point. Um, actually, my best friend's a PA in the family medicine world as well, um, mm-hmm. and you know I do think that sometimes she's expressed to me the same concerns about you know. I wish I had your labor and delivery experience because I do think that that would give me a leg up. But I'm very thankful Mm -hmm. for programs like Atrium Health Fellowship to give PAs and even family nurse practitioners who maybe did not have labor and delivery background experience, give them a full year fully involved in women's health and give them that experience. Because if it's truly a passion of yours, you know, that's where you want to be. I think you deserve the opportunity to be there. And it's so hard because. In mm-hmm. FNP school, in PA school, I know you guys only get like six to eight week tracks. Um, you know, we only get a little bit of a semester. Oh yeah, um, that kind of will that dives into women's health. So it's not enough, um, you know, to really fully um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: get all the information that you need.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I know my women's health rotation was, I think it was six weeks. It might Same thing, six to eight weeks. And it was at an out, outpatient, you know, general like OBGYN office. But I didn't really get any experience like on an L&D floor. So I know that programs like this are, are definitely critical to kind of fill those gaps that might have might have happened in school. Now, Tell me, if you could, (laughs) what your experience like was during the program. I was talking to Melissa Ricker earlier, and she was saying it is a pretty rigorous. Would you attest to that?
2: Uh, Definitely. I will say, you know, it is almost like an extenuation of school, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's not only clinical coursework that you're you're expected to do, but also a quality improvement project along with um, monthly case write-ups. And I was also involved in going to grand rounds and educational things as well. So very busy, but also again, just mm-hmm. the knowledge I was able to gain during that amount of time was worth every single you know lack of lack of sleep. But it was it was also very manageable. I don't want to you know like deter people and think that that maybe you know it's something that would be difficult to do. I mean, there was a lot of us. I mean, was the only yeah. health nurse or women's health fellow, but there were plenty of us from all different walks of life. Some people with children, um, some people, you know, with families. Um, and so everybody was kind Mm -hmm. of able to still do the, um, requirements. And I think that, you know, it is a pretty demanding year, but again, a hundred percent worth it. So I pretty much was, 40 hours a week. Um, some weeks would be a little more depending on what we had going on. Um, so definitely manageable and, um, prepared me for the real world for sure.
0: Oh, good. So it sounds like you were able to maintain like a pretty good, like, you know, work life or work slash school life balance.
2: Oh, exact. Yes, I would say 100% that 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 work life balance still was manageable. And it was, it was good because, you know, every day was kind of something new. So some days I'd be mm-hmm. in the clinic, some days I would be doing education, some days we would be doing um, skills labs, things like that. So it was a good combination and kind of kept you on your toes. So it didn't really feel a lot like school even though you know you were mm-hmm. in a learning environment
0: gotcha could you give me a summary and i know so when i was talking to melissa she said that it kind of breaks down to where you have your uh, uh what she called the observation time and then you had kind of clinic time where it's both um kind of O B G Y N. could you give me a summary of what an average day was kind of like for you
2: yeah, so initially I started off and I just, um, for about the first month or two, observed um, I've, you know, observed fellow PAs, MDs in the office um, and kind of got to experience what a day-to-day life um, in, in the OBGYN world was. Mm-hmm. And just got to soak in all that information that they were giving to their patients, you know, learn different skills and just really take that time to be a learner. I even had an opportunity or multiple opportunities, I would say, to uh, be an ass- assist in surgery, which is kind of crazy as a nurse practitioner, you know, we're not surgically trained. So the mm-hmm. fact that I was able to scrub in and be involved in surgeries was absolutely amazing and an experience mm-hmm. that I would not have gotten if I would not have done the fellowship. Um, so that was very, very exciting and something that I honestly wasn't expecting when I first took on the fellowship role. I thought maybe it was just going to be mainly, um, you know, the outpatient clinic side. So that also kept mm-hmm. things a little bit exciting. And although I'm not practicing surgical skills at this time, it does help me in my practice now because I can say, oh, I've seen that surgery. Like I can talk a patient through, you know, what that particular surgery looks like. So it was just an amazing learning opportunity to kind of get to see that firsthand um, after the first few months of observation, then I went on to taking on my own patients. So I was in the clinic, um, four to five days a week and I was at a very slow pace. So I was seeing you know, roughly mm-hmm. one to two patients an hour, depending on the day and depending on the, the appointment type. Um, I did that mm-hmm. for a few months and then slowly, bumped myself up to, you know, more two to three um, patients an hour, which is, is, which is actually where I ended the the fellowship. I was at a steady three mm-hmm. patient an hour pace. Um, a full patient load is going to be four patients an hour with atrium. So I was, almost ready and tied up in a bow by the time I graduated the fellowship and ready to take on, you know, a full caseload on my own. Um, so it was a very graduated process. They followed through with me, um, you know, with every step, making sure I was comfortable to move up to the next level. Um, and mm-hmm. I always had resources and people to ask if, if I did have any questions or concerns.
0: That was my, that was my next question is being the only, you know, women's health fellow. Did you feel like you had a, like a mentor or someone that you could go to with these questions? How did you feel supported?
2: I thought I had, I had a lot of support and I'm very thankful. So each fellow, you know, has a director that's over them. They have a, usually one is an MD and another one is an APP. So my MD director was, he was amazing, but I also was able to really have a mentor in my APP fellowship director. And she is a midwife and was absolutely wonderful. Um, We still keep in touch. She's still a great resource for me to go Mm -hmm. to with questions. At one of the clinics I also worked at, um, there was a previous women's health APP fellow. So she had graduated the program. Hopefully I'm not misspeaking, but I think roughly about five years ago. And um, she became not only a wonderful mentor, but a wonderful friend as well. Mm -hmm. And somebody again that I can keep in contact with. So although there were not, and there wasn't another fellow going through the process with me, I still felt very supported. I do think that they are, trying to do two fellows kind of um, at a time. And that's going to be a change, which I'm really excited for that because I do think that Mm -hmm. would be helpful for somebody going through it to have somebody um, in their corner with them. I have met the, there is a fellow that is currently going through the process right now. And I've actually Mm -hmm. had the opportunity to meet her and she has my number. She knows she can text me at any time. So even though we don't necessarily go out and meet each other for lunch, you know, it's still she knows that I'm a resource for her if she needs it. So I think that that kind of continuity um, that this fellowship brings about to say, okay, well, you were a postgraduate. So here's a resource and, you know, kind of continue to build that legacy.
0: That's awesome. And I think that's maybe might be someone's hesitation being like, oh, am I going to be the only one? But knowing that you have, like you said, so many people in your corner who are there to help guide you, help make sure you succeed. And there's a benefit too. I was talking to Melissa about this, that it's because the the fellowship is, is – Small, you know, one to two people. um, It can be really individualized to your goals and you know what you're you're doing well in, what you're struggling in. Would you do you agree?
2: I yeah, I do agree with that because I you know had found, especially being the first fellow that they had back in a while. You know, we had very like consistent meetings to kind of talk about like where I stood and what I needed more of and. We were. I was able to kind of manipulate, you know, the fellowship a little bit, um, and we kind of used mm-hmm. that to kind of say, okay, I think that this would be a good pathway to take and things to do. And so there was always ample opportunities for me versus kind of having to, you know, kind of fight for for space. So I do think that that could also be seen as a um, benefit as well, being the only one.
0: Scary, but also really great. <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly. Exactly. Now,
0: um, I think that was all for my my prepared questions. Is there any um anything else you'd like to say, or or maybe any advice you'd like to give for an app who's, you know, considering applying?
2: Yeah, I, you know, honestly, I didn't really touch on this that um this much in one of the, in any of the questions that you asked, but you know, I did talk about like being in the clinic, um, and then having some surgical days as well. I also mm-hmm. did rotations through subspecialties within women's health. So I do want to make that known. Um, mm-hmm. I was able to do rotations with maternal fetal medicine, urogynecology, as well as reproductive endocrinology, excuse me. Um, so there, those are three huge, huge um, branches mm-hmm. of women's health that I think some people forget about a little bit. And I just am amazed at the networking that this fellowship gave me it has I have people in all corners so if I have a patient that I'm seeing that has thrown Mm -hmm. me for a loop and I think she needs to be referred to urogynecology I have that APP that works for them her number and I'm able to text her and say do you think that this is an appropriate referral for you guys or what would you suggest I try prior to which is just amazing to have that you know that, that communication and that relationship, and I really am so thankful That's awesome. that the fellowship yeah. has given me that, um, because I have had to utilize that. I think you know, just being fresh out of practice, you know, things can be intimidating, and you never, you never know what's going to walk into the door and what your mm-hmm. patient's going to need. And so, it really gave me a solid foundation to kind of say, okay, if a patient walks in with. You know, they're, they're, they've been trying to conceive for the past six months. The wait in, waiting list to get into reproductive endocrinology is six more months. What can I do for them to really help kind of expedite maybe their process? So we're not sitting here wasting six months. What can I do while they're having to wait for that referral? What can I do? And I learned all that mm-hmm. through the fellowship. There's no way I learned that through school. There's no way I learned that through labor and delivery, you know, nursing, so, there's just such invaluable information and resources mm-hmm. and people that I have met through this fellowship. So, I, I always tell, I've had a couple people ask me, honestly, about my fellowship experience and, um, you know, about my advice or about mm-hmm. my experience with them. And I just continue to say that you know, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. If you are even just thinking about it, go ahead and apply. You know, it doesn't cost any money. Um, just go ahead. Like what, what is it going to hurt? And I, again, will forever be grateful for the experiences and relationships that I have gained from this fellowship.
0: That's awesome. That is very high praise indeed. Well, I I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing your experiences. The the goal of this episode was to to highlight the program and to say, "Hey, this, you know, these awesome resources are are out here, you know. Don't 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 forget there's there's always going to be um something out there to to help you give you the experience that that you that you're looking for to help make you a better provider."
2: I agree, Morgan. I think that, you know, we need, people should not feel um, that this is a daunting experience. Again, Mm -hmm. is it hard and is it tough? Yes, but it is a thousand percent worth it. You do not have to have women's health experience prior to, so don't let that be something that holds you back. Although Mm -hmm. I did have some in my case. Again, there were definitely a lot of things that I had to learn. Um, And so if you do feel like women's health is your passion or something you are very interested in, then I would say that this um, fellowship is for you because you will be able to learn a lot from a lot of amazing people.
0: Well, that's a wrap on today's episode. I hope you enjoyed today's chat with Melissa Rucker and Lindsay O'Connor on the Atrium Health APP Fellowship Program. Tune in next time, where I'll be sitting down and talking with the PA Fellowship Director of the Arrowhead Fellowship Program. Until then, you can listen to all of our episodes anywhere podcasts are found, and you can check out all the cool things that APOG's up to on our website, www.paobgyn.com, or on all social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. As always, if you enjoyed today's episode, please like, share, subscribe. It really makes a difference in our visibility, and it would mean the world to me. Until then, stay safe, tell someone you love them, and bring a little kindness into the world. Goodbye.